0: Well, if you don't know, um, my wife is a consultant for like four different companies now. Are we at four or five? We, it, me, so it's, a <laughs> it's a lot. So it's kind of the running joke at our house that like every time I turn around, she's like, now I'm selling this. Um, and so, so if you want um, some tea, Uh, She can hook you up, all right, with the the nice uh, loose leaf tea and all tea paraphernalia. Um, You know, she has a tea shrine in one corner of our our dining room uh, with all of her tea uh, gear. Um, If you need uh, natural vitamins or all natural cleaning products, uh, lotions, etc., she can show you the way. Um, If you need makeup, she actually has two different companies uh, that she can get you makeup from. Um, If you want washcloths, uh, that all you need to do is get them wet and then use them to wipe off, and they disinfect as they wipe without any cleaning sprays, she can help you out with that as well. That's the newest one. Um, They even have mops, that all you do is get the mop wet, and it does everything for you. It's very, very fascinating. So... um, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we kind of joke about this at our house, um, but uh, these companies have figured out that this works, right? They're making big money off of this, off of having all of these consultants everywhere selling their products for them. Why? Because they figured out the more people that are selling, the more gets sold, right? And they're wanting to make a profit, And so, um, and some of them have even figured out how to convince people to pay them so that you can start selling their product, right? There's like the startup fees or like introductory things or whatever. I'm like, this is genius business stuff, right? Like they're just raking in money off of people. It's like, hey, you want to sell my product for me? Okay, pay me and then I'll let you sell my product, Um, which is, it's just, it's genius marketing, And some of them you can actually uh, make good money um, if you sell a good bet and that kind of thing. Um, At our house, it usually works that uh, the amount of products sold and income earned uh, doesn't quite cover the expense of products bought. Um, And so it's not really a money-making enterprise at our house, uh, but more so uh, we got a discount uh, because of our status as the consultant. So, yeah, I'm giving you a hard time, honey. But uh, but yeah, um, and so, but their strategy is really simple. You know, the more people that are out there selling stuff, the more that they're going to sell. Um, and while I don't want to be accused of saying that Jesus was a salesman, um, Jesus, in our passage today, kind of starts to take that philosophy and put it into place in dealing with the gospel and advancing the gospel. And so we're in Luke uh, chapter 9, Starting in verse one and two, and what we do here at Potter's House is we work through uh, books of the Bible. Uh, We systematically work through the Bible, and uh, we've been going through Luke for a while now. Uh, Somebody asked Brittany not long ago, "How long have we been in?" Has Wayne been in Luke? And she's like, "Forever." Um, And so, some of you might be like, "It does seem like forever," Uh, but it's only been like a year and a half. So, and we're in chapter nine. So. All right, Luke 9, starting in verse 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And so what we see here is that up until this point, Jesus has been going and doing these things, right? He's healing people. He's driving out demons. And he's using those things to point people to the message, to the gospel, to the fact that the kingdom of God is coming. Um, and that it was at hand with him being there. And, uh, and so it, up until this point, it had just been Jesus doing this, pretty much. And the disciples had been coming alongside him and seeing how he did things and watching him, listening to him. And then now we get to this point, and he says, Okay, now it's your turn. Um, and he gives them the power and the authority to do what he's been doing and to go out and spread out through the land to do the same, uh, to go and do these things. And so... Um, we see this, this starting here with the disciples. And then as we know the full story um, of Jesus' ultimate life, uh, death, burial, um, and then resurrection and uh, ascension into heaven, uh, we know that just before he ascended into heaven, he gave those of us who are his followers the Great Commission. Um, and that's found in Matthew 28, um, 18 through 20. And it starts uh, with all authority... In heaven and on earth have been given to me. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So Jesus gives all of us who are his followers this same commission that he's given the twelve here for the first time in Luke 9. And so as we look at Um, the Twelve, and how they go about it, it should be a reminder for us about the mission that we have been given and uh, and the commission that he has given us. Um, It's interesting that both of these passages start with an issue of authority, and it's the issue of Jesus's authority. Evangelism and missions start and end with Jesus's authority. If we're trying to do it on our own power of our own ability, it's going to fail. It's going to be miserable. Um, You know, we might be able to show some earthly results. You know, I mean, there's tons of non-religious things out there that draw huge crowds. So if your barometer for success is drawing a huge crowd, well, you might be able to draw a huge crowd without Jesus being involved. But it will not have true... Um, life-changing impact and eternal uh, significance if Jesus is not involved, and it's not happening through his authority. And so when we endeavor to carry out the mission that Jesus has given us, we need to know that it starts and it ends with his authority, that he is ultimately the one who does it. He is ultimately the one who draws people to himself, so as we pray um, for our summer activities, as we pray for the parade this weekend, that we're praying that we can meet new people and interact with new people, um, that um, we can point them to our kids' camp um, that's coming up, and that through that camp we'll get to share the gospel um, with the kids that come. Um, as we, we pray for those things, ultimately what we need to be praying for is for Jesus to use those things, for Him to work through it, because it's his authority, his power that matters. He's the only one that is able to save. We can't as much as we might want to. Ultimately, it is only by Jesus' authority um, that, he is, that that happens. And the great news is, is what he tells us in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. He has sufficient authority to do it. He is able. Um, and so uh, we, we need to trust him in that. But now, he gives, back here in Luke 9, he gives the disciples um, authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And this brings up uh, a a question in the church today about, um, does does Jesus still give this authority to people? Um, Does Jesus today still give people the authority to drive out demons and uh, to heal diseases? and um, there's whole theological debates around this with big multi-syllable words um, that can get very confusing. Um, But in a nutshell, I want to tell you kind of where I stand on it, okay? The way that I see this is nowhere in Scripture does it say um, that Jesus would no longer do this, that he would no longer give people this authority. At the same time, I would say, if Jesus does still give this authority, he would do so in the same way. And so it would function in the same way. And so um, what we see with the disciples and what we see with Jesus is that they can heal any and all diseases. Jesus, especially even raising people from the dead, right? Um, Paul also uh, raised a, a young man from the dead who, who fell asleep while he was preaching and fell out the window and died, and then Paul went and resurrected him, right? like That's a pretty funny story for long-winded preachers. Um, so the point is, if, if you can't resurrect them from the dead, don't preach them to death, okay? Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, um, so my, my thing is, Scripture doesn't tell me that it's, that God stopped working in this way and He would no longer give people this authority, But on the other side of that coin, if he's going to, it would work in the same way. And from my personal experience and what I have seen, I have not seen it anyone that has this same ability. okay? Now, I know that's subjective. I know that's limited to my experience. So so for those of you who are um, in the theological terms, I'm a, a, a very, very cautious kind of slash skeptical continuationist. Okay. So that, that would be kind of where I fall in those of you who are, are in the theological terms in this debate. But, um, but what I do know for sure without any doubt is the fact that Jesus is still fully capable and fully able with all authority to drive out demons and to heal any and all people at any time. Jesus still has that authority. Um, and so my only question is whether he instills that authority into his people now, or if he just works it through him and the Holy Spirit. Um, and so what does this mean for me? This means when, someone, when there's anyone, especially somebody I care about who's sick, the, one of the best things I can do for them is pray for them. Because he is the one that has the authority to heal them. He has the ability, he is sufficient, he can do it. Um, I have no doubt about that. Sometimes for his reasons and for his purposes he chooses not to, Um, and that's a a whole other story for another sermon. Um, But uh, in the fact of who he is and the authority that he possesses, possesses and the power that he has, I know without doubt that he is able to heal and to handle any of the opposing forces. That is without doubt. And so, Um, the real question that we should be asking instead of asking about that, that comes up because when this comes up, people are like, well, does that happen today? And then people want to argue over it. I'm like, you're missing the point by arguing over it. The point is they're using this to point people to Jesus. That's the point of the miracles. That's the point of the healing is they're, they're using their actions to validate their message. Jesus, that's why Jesus did all of these supernatural things was so people would know that his message is a supernatural message that we need to pay attention to. And that's why he gave his disciples that same authority to be able to go and do that as well, It's to validate the message. And so we, if we get caught up in arguing over how the message get, gets validated, we're missing the point altogether. The point is the message. Jesus, we, we see every time in Luke um, that we've looked at that he was healing someone or, or anything like that. What does it say before it? And as he was teaching, this person came along and he healed them. Or as he was going to this area to teach them and to share the good news of God with them, this person was there and he healed them. It's as he is proclaiming the message, the message is the most important thing that he does these other things to undergird it and to support it and to push it along. And so what we should be asking is, well, I don't have the gift of healing, um, and so therefore, obviously, I can't proclaim the gospel. Well, no. The question is, what is there in your life, your actions and everything else, that can come alongside the message and give evidence to the message and give proof to the message of what Jesus says is the truth how does your life and your actions match up with the gospel because you see our actions validate our message and that was true for the disciples when they're sent out and that's true for us does the way that we live reflect the truth that we speak and I hope so I hope it does but uh, because the question is you know, so does the way we live validate what we say about Jesus? Which leads to the next question. What do we say about Jesus? Well, we say the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. He came and lived a sinless life. And yet died on the cross paying the punishment for sin. A punishment he did not owe. A price that he did not owe. So that we could be forgiven for the ways that we have done wrong against God. And because of the price he paid, we're able to be made right with God. We know that that price was received. We know that payment was received because he rose from the dead, defeating death. And in the resurrection, we have our hope. And in the resurrection, we know that he's promised us the same to be true. That he can defeat death and eternal consequences for our sins, for us. And so that is our message And that right there is the greatest validation in and of itself. It's the greatest miracle that has ever happened. It's Jesus raising from the dead. That's where our hope is found. That's what validates what we believe as Christians. And people in the first century knew this. The opposing forces then knew this. That's why they went to great lengths to try to prove that he was not dead. They failed. Well, they, they went to great lengths to prove that he was dead, sorry. Um, but they failed because he's alive. He rose from the dead. They tried to say, oh, well, the disciples, the disciples stole his body. Well, you know what? If that, if that were true, let's just, let's just go down that road with these people for a minute, okay? So if the disciples stole his body, who would have known that this message that they're proclaiming was a lie? Who would have known it? The disciples, they would have known, what I am saying is not true, and I am leading people astray, okay? Which you might say, okay, well, maybe they did that. They got quite a movement going. Um, people, you know, got their lives all involved. People were helping them financially at times um, to be able to, to spread the gospel. So, so maybe, maybe that is what happened. Well, then go on a little bit further in their lives. What happened to each of them? They each were killed ...for saying that this was true. People lie. We don't doubt that. But people lie when they have something to gain from it. People don't lie when it means, I'm going to die for this lie. And so, I have full assurance in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And that he's alive today. And that I know him personally through a relationship with him. And that might sound weird if if you're not there, but it's the truth. And that's the greatest validation for me on what I believe, is the fact that he rose from the dead and defeated death and the consequences of sin and death for us. And then he comes and has a personal relationship with us through his Holy Spirit. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. And that action in and of itself is the greatest validity for our message. Jesus in us validates our message. The Jesus that is alive in me is what gives credit to the words that I say. And so let us not miss that. But then... Jesus gives the disciples some very specific instructions here about how they're to carry out this mission endeavor. And so the question arises, should we apply these same um, uh, methods today? Should we go about it the same way? So let's see what he says. All right, verse 3. And Jesus said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, um, and do not have uh, two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And so, so yeah, so that's what uh, Jesus tells them to do. And he says, and and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So basically, Jesus is saying, it's like, hey, go be hobos, right? Like, don't take anything with you. Um, You know, in today's... uh, uh, terminology, hitchhike everywhere you go, uh, be a bum, live off the people there, um, and get uh, get what you need um, along the way. And so we say, well, is this um, an effective mission strategy today? Is this what uh, we should encourage our missionaries to do? Um, and I think it's important when we look at this to look at a sister passage later on in Luke 22, Uh, where Jesus is sending out the disciples again much later in verses uh, Luke 22, 35, and 36. And uh, he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, Nothing. And he said to them, But now let the one who has money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. So, Later on, Jesus says, get prepared for what's about to happen and get your possessions in order so that you can go and do this. So what's the difference? The difference is is what Jesus is teaching them in Luke 9. In Luke 9, Jesus is teaching them to be reliant on God for their earthly needs, that God will provide. And that's still true for us, that we need to trust the Lord to provide for our needs as we serve him. But some of the ways that God provides for our needs is giving us common sense and wisdom to make good precautions, to make wise investments, to plan wisely so that we can serve him. Right? So, so should we just go out without anything and say, I'm just going to trust in God and rely on him to provide? He might lead you to that. One thing to note, Luke 9 was a very short-term thing. It was not a long-term placement that these guys were going. But I think more often than not, the wise thing today is to follow the Luke 22 method of making preparations and going out well-prepared. And that's why as a church, um, we give um, to help support our missionaries um, who are at work um, throughout Canada and throughout the world um, to help advance the gospel. And so that's why a, a tenth of whatever we give in our plate here um, goes to our, our mission uh, organization uh, to help support the advancement of the gospel um, around the world. And so, uh, so that's, that's kind of why we do that. Instead of saying, well, if God's calling those people, then he's going to provide for them somehow. So, well, yeah, he might be providing for them by us giving. Um, that's exactly how God provides, uh, many times. And so, so let's move on uh, back to, uh, to chapter nine of Luke, and uh, and so verse six. And they they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So they go out and they actually do it, right? Isn't that awesome? This is this is sometimes a challenge for us, is to actually do it. There was this video that. Uh, I think it was made like back in the 70s and like video quality is like absolutely horrible, like it's hilarious. Um, But it was um, this video of this group of Christians that they wanted their neighborhood um, to know about the gospel. And so they came up with this great idea of a gospel blimp. And so they went to great lengths to uh, buy this blimp and to invest in this blimp and, uh, and everything. And then the video goes on with just meeting after meeting about the blimp. Um, and uh, and then uh, they decide, well, not enough people are, are seeing the blimp and responding to the gospel because of it. And so now what we need to do is we need to have the blimp uh, drop uh, gospel tracks out um, in people's yards um, as it flies over town. And this goes on and on. And then uh, and so uh, one one of the couples in the video finally they're like, this is getting so pointless. Like, I think I just want to go talk to my neighbor. Um, you know, And so they go and talk to their neighbor, and they find out that their neighbor hates the blimp because it keeps dumping garbage in their yard um, all the time and, uh, and all these other reasons that the neighbor hates the blimp. And then ultimately through building a relationship with their neighbor and sharing the gospel personally with their neighbor, um, their neighbor actually comes to the Lord. And so that, that video is just a, a, a funny little example of how sometimes as Christians we can get so caught up in planning about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it that what we really need to do is just go do it. We just need to go tell people about Jesus. And so so they did. The disciples went. They did it. They did what what Jesus was planning for them to do. And you know what? People noticed. Verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all this was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said... John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. And so even the highest official in the land is hearing about what's going on. Why? Because these people are going out and they're doing what Jesus told them to do. And people are finding out about it. But you know what? When we live on mission for God, people will notice But the other fact is, not all of those people will like it, though. Herod's worried. Why? Because he cut John's head off. And now people are saying that this is somehow John raised from the dead. That's kind of got him scared, right? It's like, wait, I thought I got rid of that guy. Now people that are associated with him are doing great things. What's going on? And so he's wanting to get to Jesus and find out about Jesus. Jesus. And I don't think that it was because he wanted to be a follower. I think it was because he wanted to end more lives and stop more good things from happening. Because remember that ultimately, Jesus is our our greatest example of living on mission for God. Right? Like, no one did it better. No one will ever do it better. And what happened to him? They killed him. They killed him for it. and So there will be people who do not like it. And we should know that going in. But there also will be multitudes of people whose lives will be changed and their eternal destiny will be affected because we took the gospel to them. And that is well worth it. That God will be glorified through My prayer is that we see that happen here in West Kelowna and in Kelowna. I love the fact that we have a growing number of you who are making the trek over the bridge every Sunday. Glad to have you. With our church plant that's going in in Peticton, As we go down to help them out in a couple weeks, well, next week, we want to see this happen down there. We want to see the gospel advanced. We want to see the Okanagan region come alive for Jesus with peoples whose lives are being changed. Our church's goal is not to see Christians move from one church to another church. Our goal is to see Christians on fire for God, who's, who are living out their mission before God. And because of that, non believers are coming along and placing their faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you've been checking out this Jesus thing for a while. You're like, you know, it's time. It's time for me to believe. It's time for me to place my faith in Christ and ask Him to be my Savior because I know it's true. I see it alive in these people around me, and I want that in myself. You can have that today by simply asking Him for it. Telling Him that you believe in the gospel, you believe in the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that based on that, you know that you can be saved. And have that today for the rest of us. Maybe, maybe we know that maybe we have that relationship with Christ in our life, but we need to be challenged to actually go and take it to not just make plans, not just have institutional church outreach functions, but for me to talk to my neighbor, to my family member, and say, Here's the gospel here's the good news that's changed my life, and I want you to know it as well. Maybe it is working with the church. Like we said to start with, we've got a lot of activities coming up that are all geared ultimately around getting this mission accomplished, getting out there and helping people find out about Jesus. And so help us. Get on board. Help us out. We're about to sing a song um, that, uh, Brittany, what's the name of it again? For the Cause, For the cause. and uh, this is a new song, um, but it is written in the style of a hymn, um, so we might start singing it. You might be like, well, that sounds like an old song, but it's a new song, okay? Trust me, it's a new song, all right? People that are alive today just wrote it, um, and so, uh, so, yeah, this is a new song, Um, And what they're doing is this song is a missional song. Uh, And they have released it as a part of really a global initiative called Global Hymn Sing. Uh, And it's happening today um, across the globe, around the world. Um, Millions of different uh, Christians, over 10,000 churches have signed up uh, that they are singing this song over 12 different languages uh, that will be singing this song this morning. And so as we sing the song, know that you're participating in that, um, that we are joining in praising God with the same words um, that fellow believers are around the world. Um, and so that's a pretty cool thing this morning and an opportunity that we have uh, to just praise God this morning. And, uh, and the point is, is that our, our work is not done, that there uh, is still... Um, Room for advancement of the gospel and we need to take the gospel to new places. And uh, and so we're gonna praise uh God this morning by singing along those lines. So did I do a okay job explaining it, Brittany? Okay. Well yeah, if the band wants to come on up, I'm gonna pray and then uh and then we will sing this uh new hymn. That sounds like a oxymoron, but it's not. All right, new hymn. Uh we're gonna sing this new hymn together this morning, okay? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for the good news of the gospel and what you've done for us. We thank you for the change that it's made in our lives. Lord, I pray for anyone in here who's not experienced that change yet. I pray that they will. I pray that they will place their faith in you and that they'll come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, as we uh, sing these words to you this, this morning, God, uh, let them uh, just come before your throne. Uh, we with, with just praise for who you are and what you're doing in the world. Lord, we thank you that uh, we get to be a part of uh, a much, much larger uh, movement of the gospel than just us. And uh, Lord, I thank you for offering us the reminders of that. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.